This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. It's great to see everyone. And today I'm going to talk about addiction and loss of control. I'm going to talk about addiction from a different perspective than most people would think of addiction in the sense that I'm going to talk about the misery of addiction. And that brings me to hyperkatephia, which I will define later, negative reinforcement, and the dark side of addiction. So one of the things I like to always do is, is just talk about the scope of the problem. And while most of you are familiar with the fact that we are in an opioid epidemic and that we uh, have you know, an epidemic and, of uh, overdoses on opioid drugs, and, but what you don't realize is that we're always in, in a situation with a problem with alcohol. And so if you look at, uh, at this table, you can see that opioid use disorder, there are 2 million individuals with an opioid use disorder. There are actually 14 million people with an alcohol use disorder. If you go down to emergency department visits, you see the same uh, difference in that the, the alcohol is a m- much larger problem overall in our society. And so I always say that alcohol is the addiction that um, everybody knows about, but no one wants to talk about. In fact, we lose about 90,000 people a year to alcohol use disorder. And and actually half of liver disease in the United States now is caused by alcohol. So what I'm going to talk about is outlined in the following slide. I'm going to talk about loss of control and compulsivity and addiction. And, And in that context, the neurocircuitry of incentive salience, pathological habits, the withdrawal negative affect, and executive function deficits in addiction. I'm going to talk about the dark side of addiction and the conceptual framework involved, which includes opponent process, hyperkatephia, and negative reinforcement. I will talk about neuroplasticity in the brain negative emotional circuits um, and, how, and loss of reward neurotransmitters and the gain of stress neurotransmitters. And finally, I'm going to talk about a, uh, briefly the overlap in the brain negative emotion and pain neurocircuits and the implications for the role of addiction in deaths of despair and the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. So some basic definitions. What is addiction? Well, it's defined as chronically relapsing disorder that is characterized by a compulsion to seek and take drug or stimulus, loss of control and limiting intake, and emergence of a negative emotional state, dysphoria, anxiety, irritability, when access to the drug or stimulus is prevented. And here we define this as the dark side of addiction. And this latter part of the definition is what I call the KUBA add-on. So everyone would agree with the first parts about compulsion to seek and take the drug and loss of control and limiting intake, but the negative emotional state is what I'm going to focus on in this talk. I want to uh, mention two other terms, impulsivity. That is behavior that is impulsive, from the Latin impulsive, tending to impel or drive onward, and it's defined as an action that is instigated suddenly without forethought of potential consequences. Compulsivity, in contrast, is behavior that is compulsive, from the Latin word compulse, driven or forced, and is defined as an action that results from or is related to an irresistible urge, whereby irresistibility can be operationalized as behavior that persists despite aversive or incorrect outcomes. So this brings me to the conceptual framework for the neurobiological basis driving substance use disorders. And, and the first point of, of my outline. So what I'm arguing is that there are 
And this is a heuristic framework that's evolved over the years from clinical studies, imaging studies, social psychology, and preclinical studies. And so I'm going to argue there are three stages. There's the binge intoxication stage, the withdrawal negative affect stage, and the preoccupation anticipation stage. For those of you who are not neuroanatomically inclined, um, these stages are color-coded with bits of the brain and circuits in the brain that I'll discuss in a second. So the binge intoxication stage involves incentive salience and pathological habits, and, and is, the substrate is largely basal ganglia, which is the blue structures there. The withdrawal negative affect stage refers to the domain of reward deficit and stress surfeit, or increased stress, and it's illustrated by the red circuits, which involve the extended amygdala. And the preoccupation anticipation stage um, is, a, is basically the domain of dysfunction there is executive function deficits and largely mediated by frontal cortex, which is in green here, and older cortex like hippocampus and insula. So just to drill down a little bit, we know that the neural circuits in the binge intoxication stage involve the basal ganglia, they involve release of dopamine and opioid peptides in the ventral part of the basal ganglia. We also know that this drives incentive salience whereby stimuli that have been previously paired with the release of these reward transmitters actually then gain reinforcing value and motivational value. And we also know that habits, pathological habits, are formed in this stage of the addiction cycle, mediated by dorsal parts, the, the, what's called DS there, dorsal striatum, of the basal ganglia. Um, the neural circuits of the withdrawal negative affect stage uh, are focused on the structures um, with the core element, the central nucleus, the amygdala, labeled CEA here. Many of you have heard of the amygdala. The amygdala is involved in fight or flight and stress-like responses. This stage of the addiction cycle is characterized by negative affect, dysphoria, anxiety, irritability, and malaise. Um, and key neurochemical systems are loss of dopamine, an opioid peptide function, largely in the nucleus accumbens, but gain of, neuro, of stress neurotransmitters, CRF, dynorphin, norepinephrine, vasopressin, hypocretin, neuroimmune factors um, in the extended amygdala. And then the neural circuits of the preoccupation anticipation craving stage involve largely frontal cortex. You can see the functional domains here, but one of the biggest deficits associated with frontal cortex Dysfunction is uh, executive dysfunction, loss, uh, increased impulsivity, increased compulsivity, sleep disturbances, impaired decision-making. Two neurotransmitters that are critically involved are glutamate and GABA, which project back and control the basal ganglia and the extended amygdala, the two uh, subcortical structures involved in motivated behavior, as we've just seen. So to make it a, a very clear... What we're talking about are three stages where there's initially a rewarding and pleasurable effect and incentive salience associated with the drug. As this shows tolerance and starts to fade in motivational significance, a second form of motivation kicks in, which is relief or the, or the removal of a negative emotional state. And this, even when, when drug-seeking um, has, has stopped for loss of drug or, or, uh, or, or attempts to uh, stop taking drug, you end up with what is known as protective abstinence where some of these symptoms associated with the, with the uh, withdrawal negative affect stage extend for weeks and sometimes months. So loss of control, very simply, the title of this talk, 
and compulsivity in addiction derives from three elements, uh, development of incentive salience and pathological habits for drugs, dysregulation of your reward system, development of reward deficits and sensitization of the stress neurocircuits during the withdrawal negative affect stage, and compromised executive functions. And all of these domains and circuits interact to produce the compulsive drug-seeking behavior that we associate with a very severe alcohol use disorder, opioid use disorder, stimulant use disorder. So now I want to drill down a little bit on what I call the dark side of addiction. This is The Absence Drinker by Pablo Picasso. Um, there were many during uh, of these paintings during the period between uh, the 1800s and the 1900s, and, and most of the uh, painters describe individuals drinking as very potent drink, which contained not only alcohol, but also uh, a stimulant, uh, thujone, which is a, a cage convulsant, and related a little bit to strychnine. And so every one of these paintings during this period, no one in any of these paintings that I've observed is ever smiling. They actually look fairly glum, and that's one of the reasons why I really like this painting, and I use it to introduce the dark side of addiction. So I want to take on another conceptual framework here, and that is a a concept that was evolved um, many years ago and championed by Richard Solomon at the University of Pennsylvania. And he basically had a a theory that there was a hedonic adaptation, an attempt by the brain and the body to return to a normal uh, homeostatic hedonic state. And so his argument, as you can see in the left-hand side here, is that the A process was getting high on a drug, and he was using uh, opioids as an illustration. But when the opioid wore off, there was a B process or a, a negative emotional state that followed. But when you became dependent, you lost the A state, which we would call tolerance, and you gained the B state, which you would call withdrawal. But some have hypothesized that, in fact, the B state is so large that it's actually subtracting out the former A state. Um, Now, most of you don't stay up at night trying to understand how opponent process uh, evolves and what causes the B straight, but I've been uh, really obsessed with this over over the last 20 years. And so uh, to describe the state, which I call a hypersensitive negative emotional state, I made up a new word, which I call hyperkatifia. It's defined as the increased intensity of negative emotional motivational symptoms and signs observed during withdrawal from abused drugs. It's derived from the Greek word katifia for dejection, sadness, or negative emotional state. Hyperkatifia is hypothesized to represent elements such as dysphoria, irritability, alexithymia, or simply symptoms often described as, described as ill at ease, uncomfortable within one's own skin, or simply not hedonically normal. Symptoms historically difficult to define. And this negative emotional state, this hyperkatifia, drives a second source of reinforcement in drug addiction and in loss of control in drug addiction. And I, um, this is a, a well-known uh, neuropsychological term, negative reinforcement, but often not well understood. And it's actually defined as the process by which removal of an aversive stimulus, a negative emotional state of drug withdrawal, increases the probability of a response, dependence-induced drug taking. Negative reinforcement is not punishment. Negative reinforcement is the relief from an aversive stimulus, increasing the probability of a response. And so 
My argument is that the neurochemical basis of opponent process involves a reward deficit and stress surfeit and an inhibition of the reward circuits, as illustrated here with the decrease in dopamine and opioid peptides, but a, an increase or a driving of the brain stress systems that we use for fight or flight, notably CRF, dynorphin, norepinephrine, vasopressin, hypocretin, and neuroimmune function. And on this slide now, I have added in green the apparent tolerance that I argue is actually uh, in, in effect hyperkatifia, which is contributing not only to withdrawal when the drug is worn off, but also to tolerance. So finally, I want to talk uh, about the interaction of hyperkatifia with the pain of addiction. And uh, Martha Woodruff um, kindly agreed to participate in a, in a uh, congressional briefing we had at the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism for congressional staff. And what she, her talk was so powerful that I asked her whether I could get a quote, and this is what she said. I grew up professionally focused and personally adrift. There's a long history in my family of depression, and my childhood home was dominated by my mother's mental illness that was not recognized, let alone treated. Sometime in my mid-30s, I started using alcohol to provide relief from the pain of childhood damage and organic depression. Bourbon was the only thing that would make the loop tape of despair in my head pipe down. Martha Woodruff is a, a former public radio journalist, and she terms herself a late-blooming novelist. And so I just want to point out a couple of two data points. One is in humans. This is a study in humans showing that uh, opioid withdrawal produces hyperalgesia in heroin-dependent individuals. And in fact, hyperkatifia is the negative emotional state of withdrawal is also accompanied by hyperalgesia, which is increased pain uh, during withdrawal. And these are individuals who were uh, maintained on on methadone, and then they were abstinent for either 24 hours, the orange bars, or uh, for 30 months, the yellow bars, and they tested them with a, basically a, the equivalent of a blood pressure measurement device, and what you can see is that the pain was exaggerated in the individuals during acute withdrawal, but also in yellow in the ex-users, and it lasted into protracted amnesty for over 30 uh, up to 30 months. And we can replicate that in animal models. And just to give you one piece of data, these are data from our own, my own laboratory when I was at the Scripps Research Institute. But if you look at uh, these data, we, um, we allowed animals unlimited access to heroin in the yellow, and other animals had, uh, were treated with a small molecule CRF antagonist known as MPZP. And this MPZP blocked the development of heroin escalation so blocking the negative emotional state, the, the negative stress state associated with um, chronic self-administration of heroin actually blocked the escalation and intake, as you can see in the blue circles. But at the same time, we were able to show that MPCB blocked the hyperalgesia associated with opiate withdrawal. So there's a parallel here between the blockade of the motivational effects in driving compulsive drug seeking and the pain associated with withdrawal. And so the argument is that we know a lot about the pain pathways. The classic pain pathway is, is the spinal thalamic tract, and you can, you can see uh, pain information going up from the dorsal root ganglia to the periaqueductal gray, to the hypothalamus, um, to the thalamus, to the 
to the somatosensory cortex and eventually getting down to the emotional system of the amygdala, the fight or flight system. But if you look at the pink here, you can actually see there's another kind of pain pathway which has been hypothesized to be an emotional pain pathway that goes directly to the parabrachial nucleus up to the amygdala. And if you overlap my extended amygdala from addiction with the pain pathways, you see that the, the place where they intersect uh, dramatically is in the central nucleus of the amygdala. And so um, my argument is that there is a change in hedonic set point that evolves over the development of addiction. And yes, we attempt to bring our hedonic system back into homeostasis, but in fact we fail and we, the this threshold for, for feeling normal and hedonically normal drifts lower and lower. It's pulled down by many other factors besides drug taking, but excessive drug taking is one of the weights on this uh, allostatic change. And, and so there's an abnormal set point that's set up and we're not returning to the normal set point. And as a result, we're vulnerable to further pathology. And so you can look here and see that genetic and epigenetic genetic factors, childhood trauma, psychiatric comorbidity, all intersect interface with excessive drinking to produce this allostatic change in hedonic set point. Another way of looking at this is a recent article that we wrote for the American Journal of Psychiatry um, where we wanted to address the issue of how environmental changes associated with the pandemic, notably the physical distancing, which is causing, of course, social distancing, is impacting on individuals who are suffering from addiction or vulnerable to, to addiction. And our argument is that the hyperkatifia associated with the withdrawal negative affect stage um, is not only affected by these factors that I've already talked about, but may also be affected by the, the social isolation that are caused necessarily by the physical isolation of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, in conclusion, what I've said today is that there's loss of control in drug addiction, and it represents a dysregulation of incentive salience, pathological habits, reward stress, and executive function systems, corresponding to dysregulation of neurocircuitry within focal points of the basal ganglia, the extended amygdala, and prefrontal cortex, respectively. Individuals with addiction are miserable and suffer a hypersensitive negative emotional state during acute and protracted withdrawal, a state termed hyperkatifia. Loss of control in the dark side of addiction involves hyperkatifia-driven negative reinforcement via loss of function in reward circuitry and a gain of function in stress neurocircuitry in the extended amygdala. Withdrawal from drugs of abuse cause pain, both physical and emotional pain, significant overlap in the engagement of Brain circuits mediating negative emotional states, hyperkatifia, and pain may be hypothesized to explain the role of alcohol and opioids in deaths of despair and the effects of social isolation caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.